0: Well, before I get into today's message, I wanna bring a little bit of clarity on last week's message. Um, We called last week's message greater forgiveness. And I got a couple questions after the service that I wanna bring some clarity so there's no misunderstandings. And here are the questions. The first question was this, do you, Sean, believe, does the Grace Place believe in unconditional eternal security? And here is the second question. The second question is more about what we believe regarding the sanctification of a believer. Do we believe that the process of sanctification is important? Well, first, I want to say this, that myself and the Grace Place and our deacons, we do not believe in unconditional eternal security, but we also don't believe in eternal insecurity. We believe that a believer can be sure about their salvation in Christ. Uh, At the Grace Place, we believe what Ephesians 2.8 says, and we read it almost every single week. It says this. It describes that as long as somebody places their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation and keeps it there, that they can be sure of their salvation because of the grace of God. Uh, We also believe that because forgiveness is a provision of salvation, it does not negate the fact or the process of sanctification in the life of the believer. We believe that through maturity, as somebody begins to work out their salvation, the proof of their salvation will begin to be evident by the fruit of the Spirit. How many of you are with me on that? And here's what I know, that people who are genuinely saved they will be changed from the inside out. Listen, the Holy Spirit, and I know many of you can testify, I can testify to this, the Holy Spirit will work new desires in you. Did you hear me? The Holy Spirit will work new desires in you. You can't work new desires in you. Otherwise, you wouldn't need the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't need God to do it. You would be all that all by yourself. And how many know you're not? And neither am I. So I need the Holy Spirit to work new desires in me. And they're gonna be very different from the desire I had when I was lost and dead in sin. And that's why Paul said to the church in Corinthians, he said, Now you have become a new creation. Behold, all things are new, and we're looking forward to that new life, and our old life is gone. We should not go back to that old life. How many of you are with me today? Listen, I hope that brings some clarity for some of you who may have had some of the same questions. Well, hey, we are in a series. We're calling it Greater. Somebody say Greater. Hey, notice um, we're in week number seven. I can't believe it already, week number seven, uh, as we're in the book of Colossians, and Paul is coming to this new struggling church who's trying to sort out their faith, and he's helping them to understand some things, and there's some challenges in this church and some preconceived ideas. So Paul comes, and he brings some clarity to this church. And today, I just want to remind you, as the message is preached, that if, if something stands out to you and the, the Holy Spirit draws your attention to something, underline it, circle it, make sure you're taking notes, pull your Bible out, use a pen, use a highlighter, because it's oftentimes in those moments, those are moments that the Holy Spirit is challenging us, that he's speaking to us and he's talking to us. And it's been amazing week after week to watch what God is doing in our church. How many are you ready for him to speak to you again? Say amen. amen. Hey, let's pray over God's word. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that uh, there's no message that anybody could preach, there's no word that anybody can preach that brings life change outside of the word of God. God, and as we have the word of God, we also need the revelation of your Holy Spirit so that we could understand what we're reading. God, we need you for heart transformation and mind transformation we will remain the same without your help and the good news proclaims that we have your help in the person of Jesus god we open our hearts to you in jesus awesome name somebody say a big amen today amen. so today in the book of colossians we're going to be talking about greater freedom how many of you know there is greater freedom in christ say amen Paul has come to this struggling church, and he's speaking to them because they're entangled in religion. They're entangled in paganism and worldly philosophies, and these things are making their way into the church. How many of you know that there's not much that is different today? People are always trying to import their ideas into the gospel. They're trying to import their ideas into the local church. It doesn't matter if it's other religious groups out there. It doesn't matter if it's government or secular ideas or, or the secular moral values. Everybody is trying to import their ideas into the church so they can feel okay or so they can change us into the image that they want. Yeah, true. Remember, Paul brought an uncompromising message. To the church in Colossae. And the passage today that we're gonna read, Paul lists off many different things that this church is now free from because of what Christ has done in them. So, with that, why don't you open your Bibles to Colossians chapter two? We're gonna be reading verse 16 through 23. Colossians chapter two, verse 16 through 23. It'll be up on the screen as we get ready to read it together. Here's what it says. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in question of food, drink, or with regards to festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These things are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and and not holding fast to the head from which the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died, to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive to the world, why do you submit to regulations like this? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom and promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value They are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Wow, that was a lot. Somebody say that was a lot. So we're going to just kind of walk through this today so that we can understand what Paul was addressing. I want you to ask yourself today, and the question is on the screen for us all to read. And here is the question. The question is this, how free am I now that I have a relationship with Christ? How free am I now that I have a relationship with Christ? We're talking about greater freedom, and Paul's message to this church is a lot like his message to the Galatians. We see this in Galatians 5.1. It says this, it says, for it is for freedom, somebody say freedom, freedom, that Christ has set us free. It says, stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. One of Paul's messages to the church, it wasn't just the Colossians, but it was in many of the letters that he read, he was warning people, now that you have come to Christ, make sure that you are placing your life under the bondages of your righteousness and your salvation as a son and daughter of Christ. Do not kneel down and place yourself into any other bondages. Make sure that Christ is your freedom. And Paul goes into detail to this church in Colossae to help them to understand what it means to be burdened and enslaved by anything outside of Christ. So Paul gives some instructions here in your notes. The first thing I notice that he says, he says, let no one judge you. Let nobody judge you. See, everyone is going to have an opinion as to how you should follow God. And Paul is telling this church, do not let anyone judge you. Do not come under the authority of somebody who does not have the power to judge you. There's only one judge, and his name is God. How do we come under the authority of somebody's judgments? You do that by obeying their rules and regulations. Now, I'm not talking about placing yourself under godly accountability with other brothers and sisters in Christ. But what Paul is talking about is allowing those who are preaching a different message outside of Jesus to put those regulations upon you. Let's read it. Verse 16 in our text. We'll read it together. It says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you and questions regarding things like food, what you should eat, what you shouldn't drink, and things like drinking, and things like regulations to festivals. How many know that uh, the Jews celebrated a lot of festivals? It was a part of their law. It It was a way that they lived out their faith and expressed their devotion to God. Or new moon festivals or Sabbaths. Here's what Paul is saying in your notes. Let nobody put weight on you. Let nobody put weight on you. We've gotta take notice that there was a lot of extra weight that the surrounding community was trying to place upon these new believers in Colossae. And when we think about the Jews from the local synagogue, they were placing the weight of their festivals, their food laws, their drink laws, their Sabbath regulations as extra weight on top of these believers. In a sense, they were telling them, if you wanna be a true follower of God, then you've gotta adopt our diets. You've gotta adopt our festival traditions and you've gotta adopt our ways. The local pagans were placing weight on them regarding the new moon celebration. You saw that a moment ago up there. What was the new moon celebration all about? The secular pagans in that local community, they worshiped the moon goddess me-men. How many? That's just a strange name. I was like, okay, that's, that's kind of a weird name for a moon god. But they worship this moon god, and the community believed this. They believed that if they worshiped this moon god, that it would ward off evil spirits. And they were worried that as believers were coming to faith in Jesus, that these local believers would stop worshiping their moon god that kept them safe, and they would worship only Yahweh, the one and true only god. And they felt that their community was going to be threatened by evil spirits. And so they were trying to encourage these believers, hey, just because you love Jesus doesn't mean you should stop worshiping our moon God. And so they were bringing all of these false ideas in trying to get this church to mix these ideas with their relationship with God. See, this church, it was very apparent that they were vulnerable to teachings like this. How many know that there's times where Human-made arguments and man-made ideas can sound persuasive if you don't know the Word of God. And all this church had was one letter that had come to them from Paul. They had had other believers who had heard of Paul's messages. So they, they had heard witnesses, but they had no written recording like we do of our Bible. And so we can always go back to scripture anytime we have questions and we could seek the truth and hear the Holy Spirit as he speaks to us through the word of God. This church didn't have that. And it was apparent that they were struggling with many of these false ideas. What does this mean for you and I today? How does this scripture um, uh, prove relevant for you and I? Here's what I think the Holy Spirit's saying to us today. Don't allow yourself to be burdened by outside voices. Voices outside the body of Christ. Voices outside the orthodox tradition of God's word. And here's a couple questions that would be good for you to ask yourself today. Am I being persuaded by outside voices to add to my faith? Am I being persuaded to accept the religious ways of others and stand against the good news of Jesus? Am I being persuaded to accept secular ideas and culture ideas of morality and religion? Because how many know the world has a lot to say about what you should believe, about what you should accept? And God's word for us today is to stand on the message of Jesus Christ. His word for us today is do not let anything be added to the message of Jesus in practice. Do not accept any of these things, period. I also believe Paul is telling us in your notes, he's saying, likewise, put no weight on others. It doesn't directly say that, but if it was a word for the Colossians to not receive weight, From outside influences, we too, as believers, should not put extra weights on others. What are some of the extra weights that we can put on people? Because it's kind of interesting. We might not think that we ever do that, but we do it all the time. Think about these extra weights like our personal convictions. See, some of us are convicted to not do A, B, C, and D while others may not be. And for clarity's sakes, I'm not talking about the things that the Bible clearly calls sin. I'm talking about all of our little rules and regulations that we set around our life to keep us safe. And sometimes we take these little things that keep us safe from from the thing that we're tempted by, and I like to call those gateway sins, right? They're not necessarily listed out in the Bible, but for you, if you were to go down that trail, it is a gateway for you to fall into massive temptation. How many of you know what I'm talking about today? And so for me, I've never been drunk in my life. Uh, I saw alcohol abuse as a young boy, so I never drank alcohol. And I, it's so funny, I remember when I was uh, going to Bible college and going to school, ministry training school, I worked for a janitorial company. Um, any, anybody work for janitorial companies in the house? Man, I cleaned, man, my guts out. And uh, man, I, I threw worship music on. And there was a sports bar that I worked at. Now, back in the day, if you step foot into a sports bar as a believer, you might as well just say goodbye to Jesus because you were going to hell. I was like, guarantee. But you know what I did, man? There were TVs all there. How many of those TVs are around sports bars? I grabbed the remote control. I turned them all on. Rod Parsley, baby. Rod Parsley was on every channel in that sports bar. But you know what? I had, I had zero temptation And there was everything on the planet for me to drink. I mean, and back in the day, there was no cameras. I could have done whatever I wanted to in that sports bar. That was a bad place for somebody who has any addiction to alcohol or anybody who struggles with alcohol. That would be a bad place for them to work. But for me, it didn't bother me at all. Um, But for some people, when they're really challenged with a temptation, just walking down the alcohol aisle at the grocery store, could be a gateway for you. And so you set up parameters in your your life. How many know it's wise to set up parameters in your life, but to take those parameters and be like, never walk down the grocery aisle where there's alcohol again, that is against God's word. Like how many know that that's like ridiculous. So we've got to make sure to not put our personal convictions upon other people. Here's another thing we shouldn't put upon other people, other unnecessary weights is our personal devotion. How many of you know, um, some of you love to get up early. Okay, I love to get up. Actually, I don't like to get up early, but I do because I know it's good for me. Um, I get up at 5 a.m. and I do my devotions at 5 a.m. How many know that it would be ridiculous for me to put that weight of devotion upon you? That'd be ridiculous. Like some of you don't work until like 7 a.m. Like your brain doesn't even wake up. Some of you, your brain doesn't wake up till like 10 o'clock. And it would also be like unnecessary for those of you who are night owls and you love to do your word and your devotion at night for you to put that on me. Because I'm not getting nothing from Jesus after about nine o'clock at night. I'm falling asleep i um, struggling and, and it's just, it's not going to be good. It's going to be bad. And so for either one of us to put our weight of devotion, whether it's time or whether it's a preference of how long we spend in worship or how long we spend in prayer or how long we spend in the word or preference over whether we like to light candles or we don't like to light candles or put music on and don't put, or be out in nature. I mean, like the, the list can just go on and on and on, but we should not put our personal devotion desires upon other people. Here's another thing that we shouldn't put upon other people is our personal passions. How many know that there are some people who love worship? I mean, they worship like crazy. They love music. It just flows out of their heart. They're very creative individuals. They're very demonstrative. There are some people who are really on the academic side and they love digging into God's word. They love digging at it from an academic approach and they spend lots of time in Bible study. How many know that there are some people who love prayer and they love intercession and they love praying for extended periods of time? There are some people who love street preaching preaching and that is their thing. That is what they love to do. But how many know that these are not weights that we should put upon other people. They're just our passions. And every one of our passions, they are an indication of what we're called to do in the kingdom of God. And so for us to place the weight of our passion and say, you should worship like me. You should study like me. You should pray like me. You should street preach like me. How many know that's unnecessary Weight. Rather, we should help people discover their own passions in Christ, that help them to discover their own calling in Christ. See, when we place these weights upon one another, we're doing exactly what Paul warned the church in Colossae not to do. In verse 17... Paul continues, let's read it on the screen. It says this, about all of these things, about food laws and drink laws and, and festivals and rituals and, and all things. Here's what, here's what Paul says. He says, regarding these things, these things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance, the real thing, the thing that really matters, the thing that, that all of this stuff is pointing to, it's pointing to one thing, one person, one place. The substance belongs to who? Who? Christ. I love this image that Pastor Clay made for me. Thank you, Pastor Clay. Uh, because the original image that I sent him, he was like, I think I might puke looking at that, Sean. That whatever clip art you snag from the internet, like it was awful. But I love this picture because it shows us how Jesus Christ, how he towers over all of human history, casting the shadow of his life over all time. There's the picture that the shadows of Christ go into the old covenant age, into Old Testament history, and the shadow of Christ also towers over the New Testament age and the future history. How many know that that Jesus's shadow is still casting upon us today, 2,000 years ago, as we are still proclaiming the message of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Listen, he is still saving people. He's still setting people free. He's still delivering people today. He's still doing his work. The kingdom is still expanding because it is about Jesus. Now, it's really interesting that Paul is not actually telling the Jewish believers in this church to forsake their traditions. He's not asking them to stop their celebrations and drop all their food laws. He's just saying, don't put them on other people. And and he doesn't necessarily say it in this passage, but there are many well meaning Messianic Jews today who still celebrate many of these things. And the point is that we are not doing these things to work for our salvation, but they can do these. We can do, we have our own things that we like to do. We can do those things to celebrate our salvation. <laughs> And so Paul is not, by any stretch of the means, telling these Jews, like, stop all of your traditions, stop all the stuff you have. It's just that he's saying, hey, those things are just shadows of things to come. Those things point to a person named Jesus. In fact, Matthew eleven thirty 30 says it like this. Here's what Jesus said. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's so interesting to me today that there are many well-meaning believers and there are times when we just heap weight on people that is unnecessary and is nothing that scripture ever asked them to call or wear. In fact, I think Jesus is coming through behind many people who put unnecessary weight on others. And he's like, hey, take that off. <laughs> We're trying to put it on and he's saying, take that off because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We're talking about greater freedom today. Here's another instruction that Paul gives us church. He says, let nobody disqualify you. We see this in verse number 18. It says this, scripture says, don't let anybody disqualify you insisting on asceticism. Listen, I I wanna just kind of help you to understand what this means. Paul was saying this in your notes just to make it easy for us to understand. Don't let anybody disqualify you because you lack piety. The word piety just describes like, Extra godly, small g, godly, godly virtue and devotion. And for clarity, this was not about having genuine devotion to Christ. This was actually a warning against ascetic Christians. There were Christians that were, called, that were uh, steeped in something called asceticism. And these ascetic believers believed this, that all physical pleasure was immoral and evil. That means if you enjoy what you like to eat, evil, <laughs> That if you enjoy the, the embrace and the touch of another human being, evil. If you enjoy sexual pleasures within the context of orthodox marriage, evil. And so these people entered into strict discipline and they were more known for their strict disciplines than they were for their love for Christ. And Paul was saying, hey, you're putting restrictions on people that I never put on them. You're requiring things from these believers that I don't require from them. And many of these ascetic believers moved off into the desert completely away from society because they were afraid of the evils within society. Many of them eventually lived alone as hermits. You could study the, the, the desert church fathers if you would like to know more about this. In fact, there are some good things we can learn from them. That There's a lot of things like this asceticism that they would place upon people that were very dangerous to the the local church. What else was Paul saying in your notes? Paul was also saying this. Don't let anybody disqualify you, not just uh, insisting on asceticism, but don't let anybody disqualify you because you lack spirituality. Not spirituality in the way that you're thinking, but because you lack spirituality. Here's what Colossians 2.18 says. Don't let anybody disqualify you regarding the worship of angels and going on in details about visions. The church in Colossians was heavily influenced by Gnostic teaching. And, and although these people were very anti-Christ in a particular way, but they were also very spiritual in another way. And that's what made them so deceiving. And these Gnostics people, uh, what they did is they actually looked to intermediaries to mediate between them and God. In other words, They didn't see Christ as somebody that they could go to themselves. So they tried to find another medium. How's that word? Okay, a medium to help them connect and communicate with God. So some of these believers uh, were claiming that they were having all kinds of visions about God. Some of these Gnostic believers were claiming that these visions from God, these super spiritual experiences Uh, made them special compared to everybody else. In fact, uh, it describes it, that they even uh, boasted about having experiences with angels. And how many know, if you actually read scripture, there are many occurrences throughout scripture of people encountering angels. So Paul is not saying, hey, you're never gonna count angels. Don't ever, you know, don't ever counter them. But what he was saying to these people is "Hey, don't seek angels. Don't seek visions. I want you to seek the one who created them. And his name is Jesus. See, the Colossians were off focus, and their focus was on these super spiritual visions and seeking, uh, being able to see the presence of angels over Christ himself. What does this mean for us today? It would mean that if we're doing anything in our life, if we're using any secular way possible to understand anything about us as people, the times that we're living in, or God outside of his word, that we are in danger. And Paul would correct us for that. If we're seeking palm readers, (laughs) and we're pulling out the, uh, the astrology portion of the newspaper every week, and we're looking to the stars for signs that tell us things about ourselves that, that we don't know, we're in danger, Paul says. Paul says, stay away from all those things. Don't look for, for any mediator between me and you. There already is one, and his name is Jesus. What does this mean from a hyper-spiritual perspective? This would look like this. This would look like people constantly pursuing visions, people constantly pursuing encounters that would produce specific feelings and emotions. Listen, God is not against feelings and emotions, and scripture talks about incredible encounters with God, but we don't seek those encounters. We seek God and only God. This was a caution because many of these people were puffed up with pride about the experiences that they were having, and they were talking down to those who were not having similar experiences. See, many of the people in the church of Colossae, they saw God as distant, they saw God as untouchable. And that came from the, the, their secular ways before they were believers because they lived in a culture who saw God very distant and God very far away. But how many of us know that he stepped out of heaven? He came down to earth because he wanted to say, hey, I'm not far away, I'm right here with you. And then when he departed after the resurrection, he sent the Holy Spirit to come and abode and live with inside of us so that we knew that God was not far away. Here's the question for us today. Do we find ourselves allowing anything to come and be a mediator between us and God? I understand reaching out to other believers, and we should do that. And reaching out to our pastors, and we should do that. Listening to other things to learn, we should do that. But when we're desperate and we need a word from God, we should reach out to God himself. Do you depend on the mood to be right in order for you to encounter God? The candles, the music, the setting, all the things, or can you just encounter him? See, my translation of verse 19, it's not on the screen. You can read it. We read it earlier. My modern translation of this is this. Don't run from podcast to podcast. (laughs) YouTube channel to YouTube channel, conference to conference, looking for a word from God you should go straight to God himself, who is the head of the church. And to that, Paul said to these people, why are you not going to the head? Why are you running everywhere else? The last thing today in our, in our message today, the very last point I have is I see Paul saying this. Lastly, he says, don't, do not bound yourself. Do not bound yourself. We see this in verse 20. Let's read it up on the screen together. Do not bound yourself. Here's what he says. He says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, if, if you really died in Christ, if you, three weeks ago we talked about a greater salvation. If greater salvation is really true about you, then why? Why as if, why are you still living in the world and why are you still submitting to the regulations of the world. Why are you doing that, Paul says to this church? Why are you submitting to the regulations of the the religious teachers around you? Why are you submitting to the the Gnostic uh, mindset in the secular community around you? Why are you still doing this? Let me ask you a question. Who is responsible for submitting? Me, somebody said me, yeah. Paul asks a very radical personal question. Why do you submit to the regulations? Because some people say, well, they told me. They told me I should do this, and, and I was supposed to do that. But how many of you know Paul wants us to take radical responsibility for our own faith? Because when you stand before God, they told me it's not gonna cut it. <laughs> He says, why do you insist on submitting? Paul is calling this church to radical responsibility. He says, nobody can force you to submit to the regulations around you. Your submission only happens when you bow down and you cave in to the regulations around you. And here's the truth. When we choose not to stand, we choose to be in bondage to the things around us. When we choose not to stand for Christ, we choose ourselves to place ourselves. Paul says, Why do you submit to the regulations? We place ourselves in bondage. And sometimes we say, The devil made me do it. Did he? I mean, he could lie to you, he could deceive you all day long. But why do you submit to the regulations of the world around you? We find ourselves in bondage in many ways, bondage to legalism, bondage to sin, bondage to relationships. What does it look like to be in bondage to legalism or religious activities? And this is where I want you to just kind of look within your own heart and consider if anywhere in your heart, any of these things are taking place. Am I chasing the next spiritual high? Am I running around seeking super Christian disciplines like the ascetic believers, seeking radical seclusion from the world around me in a a way that pulls me away from the community that I'm supposed to touch and speak the word of God to? Am I looking to other things to bolster my faith? outside of Christ or or is the head enough for me? Is Jesus enough for me? And Paul says, when you do this kind of thing, he says, you're not actually promoting Christ with your lifestyle. He says, you're proclaiming man-made religion. I didn't ask you to do that. We put ourselves in bondage when we look to sinful activity to relieve us from the pressures of the world around us. When we chase food and we we deal with our emotions by eating lots of food when we chase the next buzz or the next hit looking for freedom from the things that makes us anxious in this world rather than seeking Christ we're placing ourselves in bondage to sinful activities when God says you're not bound by those things in fact you're a son but you're submitting yourself to these regulations you're, you're living as if you're in bondage and I didn't call you to live that way I called you a son when we are chasing down our friends for the latest word on the street regarding this person or that person and our little ears are itching with more gossip and more news and we just can't stop ourselves. I just, I gotta know when we constantly allow ourselves to be put in our little, whatever our little gateway sin is, that's not appropriate for us to do, but other people can put themselves in these situations, when we constantly step foot into the area of what is a gateway sin for us that leads into massive temptation, that all in itself is submitting and just placing yourself like an ox getting ready to be slaughtered. Proverbs gives this picture of people who struggle with uh, sexual immorality. Whenever we do these type of things, we're placing ourselves in bondage to these things. We also place ourselves in bondage when we look to things like personal relationships. And I know this is bonkers, but there, there are some people who, they look to their spouse they look to their children. They look to certain friendships in their life for all things security, all things love and belonging. And they cling on in a very unhealthy way to these relationships when, we're, when Christ actually says, I'm your head. That's right. And see, when, when we remove Christ from being the head of our church, of ourselves, and we, we allow our, our spouse or our, don't get me twisted about scripture. We're talking about in an unhealthy way, placing ourselves under people to give us life, love, and belonging when there's only one person who can give that to us and that's Jesus. And so there are some things in our life that although we we can open the scripture and it's like, well, scripture doesn't talk exactly about putting yourself into bondage by, you know, being an awesome parent. No, but when you place yourself in bondage to your kids, like, oh my gosh, my kids don't love me. I'm gonna crumble. And you do all kinds of weird manipulating things that get them to visit you and get them to do this. And, and you have no life and belonging outside of that. And you have no peace. It's as if you're saying that, that the one who gave peace, the Prince of Peace is not enough for me. So we have to ask ourselves this question and this is the altar call for today. and I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes because today we're talking about greater freedom. And, And there are many of us in this room, including myself, that can experience greater freedom in our life. And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit this question. Holy Spirit, have I placed myself in bondage to religious activity? Have I placed myself in bondage to sin or things that are gateway sins for me? Have I placed myself in bondage to certain relationships? I'm gonna put another one on here. Have I placed myself in bondage to my employer? And I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to simply tell you yes or no. It's just yes or no. Have I done that? Have I placed myself in bondage to any of these things?